Welcome to the City Church Online. This is where you get all the sermons that you might have missed or you might just want to listen to all over again. Please like, subscribe, remember to share and download this message. Come, let us grow together in Christ. So today we are going to talk about a very powerful subject and we are continuing with our series of sermons. In fact, today is the last Someone in this series. So we are concluding the series, This is My Church. Every time we come to church, there are things that we want or we hope that God does for us. Most times when most people come to church, there is something you really want God to do. And by the way, even if you don't have a specific thing you can mention now, I think you would be happy if God did anything for you. Praise the Lord. Even if it was something as simple as if when you are sitting here and uh, someone walks to you and gives you a hundred thousand, God has touched someone and they've given me some money, I think you would be happy. Wouldn't you be happy? Me, I would be happy. Praise the Lord. Like, even if you do it now, and you walk here, <laughs> praise the Lord. I, basically, I am saying, most of the times, we want God to do something. And that is not a problem. In fact, he says, the scriptures say, that he delights in giving good gifts to his children. So it makes him happy to do that. However, we also have said that there are also some things that God would want us to do for him. And good friendship is when I am happy to do things for you, but then you are also happy to do things for me. I think it would not be a very good friendship if me, I am happy to do all things for you, but you, when it comes to doing things for me, you become grumpy. Praise the Lord. So, in this series, we are not really talking about things that God will do for you. Come for the next series, which is starting next Sunday. We'll talk about some of those. But in this series, we've been talking about the things that God would like us also to do. Now, we've talked about several things. Number one, we said one of the things that God wants us to do is to make disciples. Now, by the way, that's the most important thing to him, to make disciples. So that if you are not making disciples and God is giving you school fees to go to school, but every day he's just giving you air. Even now, you don't think that you are breathing. If you think about breathing, you stop breathing. Praise the Lord. So the thing is, even God wants you to do some things for him. Primary among those things is for you to make disciples. Now, the first step in making disciples is becoming a disciple. We've talked about that. And then from being a disciple, someone, someone disciples you, you also then start to disciple. It's the way it works. Number two, we said uh, that the other thing God expects us to do is to serve, to do something. Everybody should do something. There is no one who God called so that you, you sit in the seats and for us, we serve you. No. Uh, everyone must do something in the house. Even you when you get your cousins to visit and they stay for two weeks. Okay, two months. But they are doing nothing in the house. Even you, you get annoyed. You are like, this cousin, ah, uh -uh, let him go back. Praise the Lord. If it was just for one day, it's okay. So if you were a guest, we are very happy that you came. But after three weeks of being in church, every week, after two months of being in church, every week, and you're doing nothing in church, 
Come on, do something. Do something. Find something to do in church. Even if it is just saying hello to someone and welcoming them. Even if it is uh, cleaning a chair. Uh, even if sometimes it is preaching. Do something. Do something. Well, then the third thing we said is that God wants his house full. Praise the Lord. It is that when he looks and there is space. And you know, when we say these things, I think they are very real. And that's why sometimes even, even as pastors, we are afraid to talk about these things. They're not easy. Now you are looking and you're saying, eh. yes, even God is saying, eh. praise the Lord. It is that. And he says, no, 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 no. You go into the crevices, go into the rifts, go onto the roadside, go wherever you go, but compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. Tell people that I want my house full. I want my house full. And he sends his servants. So God is sending you and me to go and bring more people in church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so we agreed that from last two weeks ago, every one of us, we are going to get a rope and tie ourselves on someone so that we compel them to come in. Praise the Lord. So some of you who are here, you are on our rope. Praise the Lord. But my thing is, God has some things he wants us to do. Now, I find that there is also this thing where a lot of us, we hear the word. Man, we get excited about the word. Huh. We go and we do the word that week. After that week, we say, Lord, you saw, I did I did. And then you just stopped. Praise the Lord. So you can't stop. These are things that we must keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. So every Thursday you must be attending a missional community. Every weekend you must be serving. Just as you see that every weekend you see me here preaching. Even you, you have to be doing something every weekend. Every week, you must be inviting someone, coming with them. Don't leave home and you just come alone. Hallelujah. And then last week, we said, involve your entire family. Well, today, we are going to look at another very beautiful thing. And my sermon today is called, The Power of the Mystery of Generosity. This word generosity is defined as the readiness and liberality in giving. A generous person is ready to give and is liberal in giving. That means they give, they are givers and givers and givers. A generous person is a giver. And I want to say to you that giving generosity is a mystery. It is a mystery, a hidden secret. The way it works, it doesn't make sense naturally. Like you, are, you even wonder, will it even work when you're starting? All of a sudden, you see that it works in an amazing way. You can't explain it. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Generosity, you look at it from the scriptures. The way it works is a mystery. You look at this scripture. In Luke chapter 6, verses 38, these are the words of Jesus. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so you see that when you give according to Jesus, it comes back to you. But it doesn't come back to you the same way that 
you gave, it comes back to you good measure. It comes back to you pressed down. It comes back to you shaken together. It comes back to you running over. You see, how does that happen? Even I don't know. But Jesus said that is how it happens. And by experience, by experience, I know that that is how it works. And by the way, that's why if you have uh, been with me for a while, you will notice me. I give, just give. I find someone and I feel nice because they are around. I give them 10K. Like that. Sometimes a thousand. Sometimes a thousand dollars. Yes. Sometimes just any amount. Because I don't know. Let me read you another, another scripture. It is in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. This one is even more outstanding. Because giving is a mystery. You don't really know how it works. But it works. When you are giving, it doesn't seem like it will work. It feels like you are losing. But in reality, you are gaining much, much more. Look how it says. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verses 1. This is what it says. It says, Cast your bread upon waters, for you will find it after many days. I'm telling you, this is a mystery. You put bread on water, and then it says, that same bread, that bread, you will find it after many days. As I was thinking about the scripture, I was like, I don't think I want to find bread after it has been on water. For many days. <laughs> but that's what the scripture says. It is a mystery. And it says you, you put it upon many waters. You just throw it. You, you know, sometimes when you are giving, it just feels like you're throwing away money. It just feels like you're throwing away your clothes. It just feels like you are... Even some people may even call you a fool. But it says you cast your bread on many waters. And after many days, after many days, uh, by the way, that is why when you give, don't be there thinking, okay, I gave today, now I'm going to receive today. No, no, it's not, it doesn't work that way. After many days, so you don't know which day, but you give, and then one day you are working on a project, and someone just comes and says, uh -uh, I'll take care of that for you. And you don't know that it has been an accumulation of so many different ways of giving. So, I've told you, I live that life. I just give. However, it used to be that when I go to the US and they are giving, I feel like I don't have money to give. So one time, I am in this church and the basket is passing. And then I also have this thing in me, like when I'm in church, if I didn't really plan to give and then they are giving, what I do is when I pull out my money, the biggest note is what I give. That's me. You also know how you do your thing. There are some people who it is the smallest note that they give. But me, I do the what? The biggest note. So the basket was passing and I'm sitting there. I'm about to preach. So the Holy Spirit told me, why didn't you give? I said, I also have to give here. So I got out my kamane. I had some $20 bang or, and then some $50 and one $100. And I tried to pick out the 200 And the Holy Spirit said, mm-mm. It's the big note like we always do it. So I did. And then I went to another church again. And I realized, okay, Alex, you have to understand that this is the way it works. So I began. That trip, we had just negotiated this piece of land. And the owners, the people we are buying it from, wanted 600 millions. 600 Uganda millions. Praise the Lord. And I told them, we are going to give you money, but first get 10 million. So, of 600 million, we gave them 10 million. That is how much? 0.0.04% of what they were asking. 
I don't know if that percentage is right. I just made it up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Something like that. But good enough, they caught the money, they wrote a contract, and I said, I'm bringing you the remaining 590 million. I didn't know where to get it. Then I go to the U.S., and God just tells me, you give. As I was about to return, someone gave me a call, our treasurer, and said, Alex, you can't believe it. I said, first tell it to me, and then I can determine whether I can't believe it or I will believe it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Someone had, anonymously, someone had given to us 100 and $50,000. Do you know how much $150,000 was in Uganda shillings at that time? It was 610 millions. But I am saying to you, cast your bread on many waters. Now, I don't know if it is in any of the churches, I get, because it was anonymous. Even the person who gave, when I meet them today, I may not even greet them. I may say, who is this stranger? Praise the Lord. He said, but you cast your bread on many waters. You will find it after. Now, in verses 2, he says, give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on earth. In other words, on the day when evil comes, you better have given enough that covers you during the evil days. You look at this. This is, this is scripture. He says, you give a serving to seven or to eight, which you choose a number you want, but you give. And he says, for you don't know what evil will be on earth. Let's continue verses 3. He said, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. Now, do you see what he's basically saying? What you are doing, as you give, you are like, you know how rain is made? Like you are forming a nimbus cloud. It is like when you are giving, you are getting the water to evaporate eh? and form a nimbus. It only rains when the clouds are full of rain. So in other words, as you do the seven servings, you, you don't know, but you are making sure your cloud has rain. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. This is a principle that works. And he who observes the wind will not so. In other words, you are there, ha, but if I give, I, I don't think this one will even give back. Uh, 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 you, are, you are calculating, calculating, calculating. He who watches the wind will not so. And it says, and he who regards clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how bones grow in the womb who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Thing. Don't put so much science in it. Just do it. Give. Because do you know how the bone of a child is formed in its mother? You don't know. We also don't know. But God knows. He's the one who does everything. In other words, your giving is a demonstration of your trust in God. I trust God. Do you trust God? Uh-huh. So, in the morning, that's why he says, because you don't know, you don't know the works of God with everything he says, therefore, in the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, do not withhold your hand. Why? You do not know which one will prosper. Either this or that, whether both alike, will be good. You don't know. It's like when I plant maize or when I plant beans, in that hole, I don't put one seed. Put like three, four, sometimes five. If all of them come up, I'm happy. If uh, two of them come, I have a crop. 
So he says, in the morning, just do what? Give. In the evening, just give. You don't know which one will produce. And sometimes it is the one you sold in the morning. Sometimes it's the one you sold in the evening. You don't know. Just give. And he says, sometimes it's both of them. We praise God. I am praying to God that I will lead a generous church. A generous church is a church of people that will become eventually rich. Because giving is like sowing. Therefore, it means when you are giving, you are sowing. And you see, the power that is in sowing is such that you reap what you sow. But also, understand this, you reap more than you sow. You see, last year, I used 800,000 to buy a field of corn. At the end of the season, do you know how much money I got out of it? About 3.2 million. You reap more than you sow. Hallelujah. And number three, number three. So number one, the power of, uh, of sowing is number one, you reap what you sow. Number two, you reap more than you sow. And number three, number three, you only reap when you sow. If you reap when you haven't sown, we have another name for you. You are not a harvester. Praise the Lord. So it is illegal to reap when you haven't sown. And so some people want to reap, but they haven't sown. And it doesn't work that way. You only reap when you sow. And there's a fascinating scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verses 10 and 11. Uh, Paul the apostle writes and he's praying for the Corinthians who are givers. These people are givers. And he tells them this. He says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Look, there are two things God is giving you. Number one, he gives you food and he gives food to the eater. Number two, he gives seed to the sower. Now, the problem with food and seed is that many times they look the same. You Can you differentiate between uh, beans that are food and beans that are seed? Can you differentiate between Corn or maize that is for maize brand and maize that is for sowing. Sometimes that is where the problem is. Like even when you get your money, you sometimes don't know. Is this for sowing? Is this for eating? But you must understand that God only multiplies seed. Do you see that? He gives bread. He gives seed to the sower and bread for food. May he supply and multiply the seed and not the seed that is sitting in your pocket. Do you see that? It is not the seed that is sitting in the store. He multiplies the seed that is sown. And so if you want to increase, what do you do? You sow. Now, some people eat their seed. And for various reasons. Sometimes they just mistake seed for food. 
And sometimes you are hungry. In other words, you, you feel like you don't have. So if you have two kilos of beans and you need food for supper, what do you do? You go and you cook the beans and then you will be hungry the whole year. Or you go and plant the beans and be hungry for three months. But the rest of the year, you have food. You see, even you, you, are, you are laughing at yourself because the moment we say, okay, you are hungry, you have two kilograms of beans, your brain is saying, ah, ah, cook the food. Be like the other woman who told Elisha, I am remaining with this one, I am eating it with my son, and we die. Praise the Lord. But God is saying, learn to sow. Now, there are, uh, the, what is it that determines your generosity? I think there are two things that determine a person's giving. There are two things that determine your giving. Number one, what you have, the amount you have, will determine your giving. And this is one of the reasons a number, some people don't give. Because if I have 80,000 shillings, most likely I cannot give you a million. Even if I wanted to. So I can't give you what I don't have. And so a lot of people quote between, I want to give more, but what I have is not enough, or what I have is very small. And so your giving always should indicate how much you have, or is in correlation with how much you have. People give, people are generous to the extent they have. This is one of the reasons why you as a believer in Jesus Christ should make, find many ways to make more money because your giving is determined by how much you have. If you don't have, then you can't give. Paul told the Thessalonians that let those who steal stop stealing but work with their own hands so that they may have enough to give. So you have to work hard to have a lot to give. Number two thing that determines how people give will also depend on how much you value the person or the thing you are giving to. Therefore, I am able to tell how much you value me by how much you give to me. I'm able to tell how much you value the church by how much you give to the church. I'll give you an example. So, if you are to visit these two people and to take them a gift, which gift would you choose? So, you are coming to your uncle's home, okay? And your uncle has 10-year-old daughter that you like and you are going to buy them something how much money will you spend on buying that thing i want three people to give me an answer how much it's your for your cousin you like them and you want to take them a gift how much money are you going to spend on them anyone yes pastor 50k uh-huh. Anyone else? Yes, Brenda. 10K. Okay. Anyone else? 20K. That is your four-year-old cousin. You like them and you're taking them a gift. You're giving them for 20K. Now, however, you also decide you are also going to take for that uncle a gift. Also, how much are you going to, to spend on that uncle? Yes, Pastor Derek. 100K. Brenda, how much on that same, on the uncle? 50K, uh-huh. 60K. Now, but what I didn't tell you, that uncle of yours is actually the minister of finance, Mr. Kasaija, yeah? The minister of finance in Uganda. He's actually a very rich man. Every one of his children has a private car 
with a private driver and they are really rich. And even you, you have, a, you have money, you have money. You, the, your problem is not money. You have money. Yeah, so now let's go back to the cousin. How much, with that information now, how much are you going to give to that four-year-old? Yes, please. You are going to spend like 400 on the same 10-year-old. Uh-huh, Brenda, how much are you going to spend? Like a hundred, uh-huh. And Bruce, how much? 200. Do you see? Now, what changed? Because now you are spending on the four-year-old more than you would have spent on the uncle in the first place. Now, okay, for Mr. Kasaija, the finance minister of Uganda, how much are you going to spend on him? Yes, one million, you see? Uh-huh. 500. 600. You see, now, do you see that how much we are giving to this person is actually dependent on number one, how much we have, but number two, on how much value we attach on a person. Because, again, it would change if Pastor Derek, let's say that your annual income is uh, $50 million. Brenda, your annual income is $10 million and uh, your annual income is $35 million. Now, how much are you going to give to that young cousin? You would give her $5,000. That is 17 Uganda millions and $1 million in dollars for a party for it. You see, it is all dependent. Do you see what I'm talking about? And so, when you are giving, you should understand that Every time you are giving, even to God, you are telling him, praise the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? So, every time you are giving, you are making a statement. Number one, you are saying, this is how rich I am. And two, praise the Lord. Because do you know there is someone who visits your house? Even when you don't have money, there is someone who, when they visit your house, you don't even prepare a cup of tea. Praise the Lord. And then there is a person who, even when you don't have, and you know that Pastor Alex is coming, you will borrow from the shop. But it is the value you are attaching to that person. Your giving is making a statement. Girlfriends who are here, the giving of your boyfriend to you is saying how much they value you. I am telling you, boyfriends, before you remove a 10K, but also again, remember, I am telling you, it also depends on how much the dude has and how much value they attach to you. Because even if, if he was Murwana's son, even if he's giving you 100K and he's Murwana's son, they don't like you. 10K. But at the same time, there is a dude who would give you 10K and that is all. They, for them, they are walking to, and you, you are taking the 10K. For them, they are walking from Kampala. You, you have got a Uber. Praise the Lord. Now, we all know that God expects us to give in church. It is true. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 10, the Bible says, Bring all the tithes in my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He's not meaning heaven. Bring and that there is food in heaven. No, 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 no. He's meaning this house. This is my church. My church. His house. He says, bring all the tithes, into the storehouses that there may be food in the house. Now, there are people who protest that the tithe and the offering are for the Old Testament and because for them they are under grace and not the law, they are not supposed to tithe. I hope if you say that, you also understand that the Old Testament was a mere shadow of the New Testament. Okay? So that if it was concealed, everything that was concealed in the Old Testament is now revealed fully in its manifestation in the New 
Testament. It means if the Old Testament people gave 10%, you in the New Testament, your generosity must go beyond 10%, perhaps to a 90%. Hallelujah. So the New Testament believer, because you understand how much God has given to you, the New Testament believer gives much more generous because they have experienced this amazing grace of God. However, me, I have found that there are two people in church that actually do not give or do not want to give in church. There are two people who don't want to give in church and yet these two people must give in church. Number one is the poor person. Poor people do not want to give in church. And it feels like it is an understandable reason. Saying, me, I am poor. Or I feel like, in fact, people are not actually really poor. They just feel they are poor, they don't have enough. But when you look at the scriptures, you see that poor people, that is, people who don't have a lot, can be the most generous people. When you look throughout the scriptures, you realize that people who didn't seem to have became some of the most generous. Being generous has nothing to do with the amount you give. Being generous is you have the heart and you go through and take the troubles to make sure you are giving. You are a giver. You must be a giver. Let me read you one scripture in the New Testament of this one church that had poor people. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 to 5. I'm going to read from the New International Version. He says, in the midst, very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty. So these people were not just poor. It was extreme poverty. He said, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. It welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. They didn't have a rich sponsor. Entirely on their own, they gave as much as they are able to. Now, some people just say, Hamsumba, me, I am not able to. Even beyond their ability. So I am always saying, don't use poverty, even extreme poverty, as an excuse for a lack of generosity. When we get to heaven, God won't listen to that. I, I always ask people that if Jesus was physically sitting, because right now he's here spiritually, but if he was physically sitting here in church, where do you think he would be sitting? Let me tell you. Let me show you where Jesus would be sitting. Jesus would be sitting probably standing exactly right here by the giving basket. And he would be watching. Let me show you the scripture. Let me show you the scripture. Mark chapter 12, verses 41. We are answering the question, where would Jesus be sitting if he was here physically in church? And I am telling you, he would be sitting by the giving basket. Verses 41 says, now... Jesus sat opposite the treasury. That is where they were giving from. He sat and saw how people put money into the treasury. That's Jesus. You think he's not looking at you now? Now, by the way, the other thing is, he's seeing how you are giving in the treasury. 
But in reality, he's not looking at what is going in the bag. What he's looking at, he's looking at what is remaining in the pocket. Praise the Lord. Again, if you continue in the scripture, he says, And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. So in other words, when I looked at what she remained with, nothing. Out of her poverty. Friends, let me tell you. To say I don't have enough so I can't give in church is the most foolish of things you can ever do. Because the only way out of poverty is through giving. And you young people who are here, I am telling you, start giving now. You rather not eat a Rolex for a week, but you give now because you are sowing into your future. You can't say, I don't have, when you are eating things that when you give, even God says, eh, even Albright gave. Now, the second person, let me talk about the second person who doesn't want to give. Do you want to hear the second person? The rich people. It would be like that the rich person would be a giver. But a lot of rich people don't want to give in church. And they have reasons, by the way, because uh, there are people who feel like the church may not be able to handle how much I give. If the Lord gave you one trillion dollars, now you have to give a tithe of one billion dollars to the city church. And you look at the city church in their tent. You're like, do they even have a dollar account? Rich people, here is a scripture for you. Listen to what the Bible says. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, Paul is instructing Pastor Timothy, and he tells him, command those who are rich in this present age not to be proud. One of the reasons rich people don't give in church is pride. For them, they, they've figured out how this world works. They are the ones who have the money. This church is struggling, doesn't have money. So we, why would I give all that money? I'd rather take it and distribute it to the poor myself. And the Bible says we have to command those who are rich not to be proud nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. It is God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He says, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. So he says, the rich people should be willing to give and ready to share. Or the other way around. They should be ready to give and willing to share. Hallelujah. So listen, however much you are rich, you should understand whatever you have has come from God. And first of all, because it has come from God, he has only authorized you to spend only 90% the way you want. 10% belongs to him. So you can't say, Lord, I'm going to... You know, even you don't like those people who... A friend sends you money through their mobile money. And then they call you and say, uh, you know, your friend sent me mobile money for, for you. And I thought you would need a dress. So I went to Owino and I bought you a nice dress in that money. No, no, no. You give me my money. I will use it how I want it. But, but you don't know how to handle this money. It may be too much for you. It's too much for you. Is it yours? It's my money, okay? Don't you feel like that's the way it should be? So when God gives you a job 
and they pay you 17 million. My friend, my friend, 1.7 is not yours. And you're like, but that church doesn't know. I don't know that they know how to handle. Now, maybe God has you in that church so that you can help them learn how to handle. So get off of your stool and come and tell the leadership, listen, guys, God has blessed us with some money. We are going to have a lot of money, but do you have an account? No, we don't have an account. Okay, great. Uh, let's open up an account. Help them put up a system. Otherwise, if you think they are not good stewards, then get out of that church and go to a church where they can handle. But don't just be there saying, me, I don't give to church. Me, I don't give. It's not your money. It's God's money. Hallelujah. And some people say, you know, pastors misuse money. One money's sin does not justify your own transgression. So if the pastor misuses God's money, it's still not his money. It is God's money. And God, he will hold them accountable. But at least you be out of it and let God deal with those guys. But if you feel so, so like, because it would also be irresponsible when you know that this guy, this Pastor Alex, when you give him all the, when you give him the money, he buys beautiful houses for girlfriends, and now you are giving the money there. No, 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 no. Get away from there and give it to a church that is actually using God's money for God's things. But rich people, don't bring wise king on God's money. Give it back to God. And you will continue rising higher. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you about four ways to give in church. Number one, you need to give your first fruits. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 to 10 tells us, Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase. So, Number one, we give to God our first fruits. First fruits, for example, when you get a new job, your first salary belongs to God. First fruits. Normally, when the new year has come, your first, the first things, monies that come to you, they belong to God. Uh, when you are rearing chickens, the first chick belongs to God. When you are railing cows, if you have a cow, the first one that it gives birth to, it's called first foot. So I see someone who is going to be starting a new job next month. Your first salary, honor the Lord with your first fruit and you will see his promises coming to pass. Number two is your tithes. Tithes is 10% of your incomes. And the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 27 verses 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and it is holy. So your tithes belong to God. Number three, offerings. Now, remember, uh, an offering, uh, let me first read you the scripture in Malachi chapter three. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Now, a lot of people, a lot of Christians the devil will tell you, no, 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 you give tithe, you give tithe, you give tithe. But you fail to give your offerings. What's offering? Offering is an offer. Whatever you feel like to give, you give. Now, you imagine uh, you are giving to God, you have a million shillings. And you say, well, God, thank you for giving me this one million. I will give you your tithe. And your tithe is 10%. And then you also say, but I also want to offer you something from my heart. God, I want to give you an offering from my heart. And I feel like from my heart, an offering of 20,000 out of the 900 that have remained is great for you. That is what an offering is. Hallelujah. So you determine 
by again, remember the criteria I've given you. You determine what to offer. By one, how much you have. Two, how much you value the person you give. Now, the offering is very important. Listen, I'm going to say this only once and move. But it is very important for you to understand. The tithe protects you from the devourer. The offering is what increases you. There are many people who are faithful tithers, but because they are very meager, small, in ungenerous in their offering, they do not make financial progress. And the reason is, the devil has blinded you to not know that the way you increase is by your offering. Number four, there is the offerings, the special projects. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that the church in Corinth had special projects they were giving to. And uh, it was necessary that they had made a promise or a pledge and they were giving towards it. Now, for us here at the City Church, all those four we encourage. We say give your first fruit. We say give your tithes, give your offerings, and give towards a special offering. So as we conclude, there are certain questions I want you to ask yourself. I want you to ask yourself that have you been awakened yet to the power of this mystery? What are those reasons that have been preventing you from being generous? My friend, Apostle Moses Mokisa, one time was telling us, the Lord spoke to him, and I really agree with this word. And what the Lord told him is that the back of poverty will be broken by radical generosity. We must become regenerate. He goes on to say that, Generosity is actually repentance from poverty. Father, I want to thank you for the most generous church that we have. Uganda has seen. The world has seen. I want to thank you for people who are free in their generosity. Now, even as they bring their tithes and their offerings, according to your word, fulfill your promise, oh God, in uh, after many days, bringing back the bread. Oh Father, thank you for always meeting our needs according to your riches in glory. So now, may your people give and be generous to the glory of your Lord. This audio sermon has been brought to you by The City Church. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us on 0706-332-572 or 0776-579-679.